0: hey guys we're back with another week of find your film this is a very interesting week because we have two movies that are i don't know i think really center on maybe mythology they might be the truth there's a lot of what there's water involved there is there are stamps where's perky the abominable dr perks are you a stamp collector have you ever been or ever been a stamp collector
1: never Never been a stamp collector.
0: Have you ever been a Eric Holmes? Have you ever been a deep sea diver? Have you, have you fixed ships or anything (laughs) in the deep? (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) I I thought, wait, no, no, wait. I thought, no, no, Eric Holmes. If, If listeners, if you haven't been listening to our find your film, there is a, there is a comment thread. I thought, wait, was it you or Anderson Cowan, my buddy at Cinematics? Thank you for wearing the Cinematic shirt, Eric Holmes. One of you guys was a huge fan of fish and marine life. Was that you, Eric Holmes? I thought it was no, you. that was
2: a hundred percent Anderson.
0: So, so what, so what would happen if we put you do- deep down in the sea with with some regalia, deep sea diving regalia? How long I, would you survive I, there?
2: So, if if I went down deep sea, I would see
0: an angler fish, shit my pants. They'd so be attracted to the scent and eat me alive. <laughs> so, never ever. Someone gave you a thousand dollars, Eric Holmes. Stay down, down, down there in the ocean for about ten minutes. Would you do it for a thousand? Okay, good, right? Probably not for a thousand. Like, uh, there's a there's a price I
2: would though. I I think I think just a thousand bucks. Like the time it would take to get
0: there, you know, be like I just work a normal job and (laughs) you know. Well, you know, Eric Holmes. I was just he does have a. I don't even I don't even know if it's a fear you have an aversion to fish or just a dislike of fish or especially especially
2: ones with teeth okay and they do this are
0: you not a fan and have have little light
2: bulbs hanging in front of their head that is not a joke no megalodons
0: no piranhas flying piranhas especially not okay so do you get uncomfortable do you even eat fish i I mean i know there's not gonna be us okay you eat okay sushi okay so good uni i know you like uni or uni you like uni right that's uh urchin yeah, urchin. You no, like the urchin no, oh, that, no, no. Uh, it, I, I haven't had any good
2: uni. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just say that. It, if it's good, I haven't had the good version yet. Everything I've tasted of the uni always tastes like earwax. Oh, of. earwax. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Perky. Are Not you that I know what earwax
0: tastes like. Uh, I don't, yeah, mm. Right. No, 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 no. We, we've never tasted earwax. None <laughs> of us. We're, we're clean, we're respectable gentlemen. Bruce Perky, are you a sushi guy? Are you a deep sea de- diving guy? Are you a marine guy? No. Um, I've eaten some sushi.
1: I like sushi. I haven't, I'm not an expert at it. I've eaten some sushi casually. Oh, I got a question for
0: you, Greg. Are
1: you a philatelist?
0: Philatelist? Yeah, I I philatel a lot. And maybe that's why I don't date too much. No, I'm sorry, what, what is the phil what, philat- what is a philatelist? what is a <laughs> I'm sorry. I was kidding listeners. no, I wasn't. but what is the philat- what is a philatelist Bruce, Bruce? is a stamp collector? Oh, for- oh me. Don't, don't you know what? don't start with the with the sophisticated we're gonna get really sophisticated <laughs> this episode, Eric speak- yes, sir.
2: not to get more off the rails than what we've already <laughs> Yes, done, I it's apologize apologize been three minutes into the show <laughs> I but uh. For that. I did uh, I did trivia with my coworker, Tammy, everyday work and philatelist
0: came up today. And I'm like, Oh, this is a stamp collector. How'd you know that? Funny (laughs) thing. (laughs) That is amazing. Uh, Out of two, out of the three of us knew what a philatelist is. And Eric, that means Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky are way more intelligent than I am. And I'm going to show my stupidity as we review a couple of these movies. The reason why we talked about stamp collecting and deep sea diving is stamp collecting is a big part. Of this documentary, I I don't know if I should say that. Do, oh, oh, Bruce Perky's bringing out the air quotes. Is this a documentary or is this a whole wholly made up thing? It's called The Penny Black. That's the first big feature we're going to be doing, and then after that, we're talking about deep sea diving. No, there's no Jacques Cousteau stuff. There's no uni or uni eating. There's no sushi eating. Undina Undina is a movie that is really interesting. It's an indie film, very interesting about a woman. Who may have a connection to the waters, the sea. It might be based on myth. Also being covered today is I might might be covering today is Dr. Perks aka Dr. Fives. did you go out on the town to your local theater today to bring back some news?
1: Uh yeah, I went and watched with my son. We went and watched a quiet
0: place part 2. Quiet Place Part 2 and you know, we're also going to bring out I I I just want to say I'm excited to hear what you said about that. At the end of this program, we're also going to to be covering a Vincent Price film called The Abominable Dr. Fibes, or Fibs, Fibes, right? Dr. Fibes. And that is Bruce Perky's choice that was foisted on me because of the what's in the box rules. I have to, they saw Rams, he saw Rams, and Eric saw Rams last week, and now he made me see The Abominable Dr. Fibes. Eric Holmes, have you ever seen that movie before, or was this also your first time watching it? It was my first time watching it. And in the past, I
2: thought I did, but I think I got that uh, confused with the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Mm. Pretty much Dr. Weird name, like it it all jumbles in my head, but especially after watching it, I'm like, no, I've never seen this one before, but
0: we'll talk about it and I can't wait. We will talk about it. It's interesting after we recorded last week's episode of Find Your Film, Bruce Perky was really excited to get us on the Abominable Dr. Fibes Train and he actually sent us some really cool links where we could see it, even showed us some better links where we could watch it. So, I'm assuming this movie might be near and dear to Bruce Perky's heart. We'll see if Eric and I loved it just as much as Bruce did. Just FYI, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I really love Rams and I was so excited to hear and happy to hear that Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes also loved Rams. So, without further ado, let us get right into the meat of things. The Penny Black. I I was really looking for a movie to watch, an indie movie for us to watch. I was under the gun and I just pretty much took this out of a hat and thinking it's like some kind of indie documentary, might as well spotlight it. It's described as a nonfiction noir thriller. Okay. So that is what the publicists are calling it. Interesting. They're calling it that. That's the main thing. Shouldn't it be a documentary though? Why is it not called a documentary? Is the publicist, is he or she uh, showing their hand regarding the Penny Black? And ultimately, the movie it cent- or the movie or the documentary, it centers on this guy named Will. And Will, he he's had a troubled life. His father is a con man. He's been a con man all his life. So imagine yourself growing up in the shadow where your father, whatever your father tells you is pretty much a lie. Whatever your father is trying to do, a lot of it is a scam to make some money. So Will grew up in that in that environment, and what happens is we enter Will's life as he's living somewhere in West Hollywood. He actually, the, the director behind the Penny Black, he met Will, I think, at a get-together, and he found out Will's story. And the story is, Will, one, one evening outside his apartment, there's this guy, I forgot the name of the, the man. Do you remember the name of the man? Roman. I think it was Roman. Thank you, Bruce. Roman. There's a, there's a big guy named Roman. He's smoking cigarettes. He's Russian. And one night, as, as you, everyone's want to do, when you, when you go outside and you're smoking cigarettes, you end up talking to the person who's smoking cigarettes near you. So what happens is Will starts talking to Roman. And Roman, they're both strangers, the comfort of strangers. Roman tells Will about a extensive stamp collection that he has. And he, he, asks, he asks Will a favor. Hey, Will, can you, I, I, I'll, I'm going to be out of town for a couple of days. Do you mind? Holding on to my stamp collection. Simple enough task. Their neighbors, anyways, will gets gets the, he he's, a, he's being a nice neighbor. He he actually lets Roman give him those stamps, and he thinks it's going to be just for a couple of days. Will comes to find out that the stamps, these these this is just not a this is not one of these really um, stamps that you can just put on eBay for about ten dollars or twelve dollars each of these stamps. A lot of these stamps are worth supposedly worth thousands and thousands of dollars, including. The film's moniker, the Penny Black, which they get into a lot in this doc, quote unquote documentary. So the entire movie centers on what happened to Roman, what is Will going to do with the stamps, and this movie slash documentary it takes a, it takes place over a period of four years and it runs ninety eight minutes. I remember Bruce Perky was was messaging me early last weekend and was telling me that he started watching the movie and he was really immersed. In this movie, what's interesting is I should have actually requested interviews, and I would have called out <laughs> director Joe Saunders, I would have called out producer Alex Greer, and documentary subject Will Cassad Smith. I would, I would, my first question would ask them: Is this documentary absolutely fake? Because I, you know, Eric Holmes, you were calling, you were, you were gently calling me out on my cryptocurrency. We're going to talk about that in a second. Which is, you're such a nice guy doing that. I would bet a lot of my crypto. That this movie is what is a fake penny? What what it's like? What do what, what do you call this? The, what, what is like a, the, the, those fake coins? A slug? I don't they, know. Say, would that be a word for it? Uh, this 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 is a, a fugazi fugazi. It's a fugazi. The penny the penny black the penny black is really a real stamp. But I believe that this movie is a total fake. Fake f a k e f for fake. I I'm gonna get to my. Ultimate opinion of the Penny Black. I'm, I can't wait to hear what you guys have to Mike. say about this movie. Bruce Berkey, Doctor Perks, what do you think of the Penny Black?
1: Well, um, first of all, I, I'm I'm on the fence, like you are as well. I, I first of all, it is entertaining. It's very interesting, uh, and as you start watching it, you're you immediately start asking questions, and and I think where everyone's going to be balancing is is will you know lying and keeping things from the you know, movie makers. Uh, is he telling some of the truth and partial lies? Is he totally lying? Is he telling totally the truth, uh, or are the filmmakers making it all up? You know, and 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 I did definitely wonder that myself. But then there's certain scenes where there's a point where they take a trip and and meet some people in Arizona that seemed like real people to me, and that was actually one of the moments in the movie I thought just blew my mind because those people were scary and creepy as hell.
0: Yeah, they felt real. That felt like a real moment.
1: This is one of those movies that kind of lives in that weird space kind of like Catfish or um, you know, pick your favorite Blair Witch kind of movie where they might be putting us on all the way, you know? Or it might be that like once again, I'm just kind of repeating myself. It might be the truth. They're telling us the total truth and this Will guy is some level of deceptive. I'm kind of up in the air on it as far as the truth or the validity of it, but I'm not up in the air on saying it's, it's, a, it's a worthwhile watch. I think if it sounds interesting to you, I think it's an interesting watch. If it doesn't sound interesting to you, you might be, then just, you know, don't dive into it at all.
0: That is very cool. Bruce Perky, The Penny Black, currently out on all digital platforms this week. Eric Holmes, do you follow on Bruce Perky's train regarding recommending or enjoying The Penny Black as an experience?
2: Yes. Um, I I didn't really think of whether it was a fake documentary or a real documentary as I was watching it. Um, But now that you guys mentioned it, I'm like kind of, well, first of all, if it's a real documentary, I have problems with how they treat the subject, um, because they do strongly suggest that maybe he's working unethically without really much to go on other than who else could it be. And if you're going to indict someone for something like that, uh, I think you need a little more than just we have a hunch that this thing may have happened, especially if this is someone that's given you four years of their life for you to be able to make a movie. I think it's a, a unethical and kind of a dickheaded move to uh, uh, throw someone under the bus in, in that in that uh, you know manner. Um, but if it's a fake documentary, zero problems with this. And it's very <laughs> entertaining yeah this is this kind of reminded me a lot of uh don't fuck with cats where it starts off as a there's no that i can remember there's no animals being harmed in this but it does that thing where it starts off as a here's this thing and then just the more it goes on the more odd it gets and like things kind of uncover almost to a well when they went to that the people's house in arizona i was like are you fucking kidding me like the story she was telling was like holy fucking shit um i'll just leave it at that Uh, that's another documentary that that whole family that's another whole different thing right but uh this is uh and and i'm glad they they did this in a movie Uh, and not like a six-part docu-series like as these docu-series kind of go they kind of overstay their welcome a lot this one's just in and out and it tells a story it's very compelling uh very entertaining and i would definitely recommend it with that one caveat, of course, with the if if this is a real documentary and they threw the subject under the bus the way they did, I think that's unethical. you think the treatment of will wasn't too it fair. Was, I, yeah, I don't think it was fair at all. but Again, if this is a fake documentary, that's just a storyline, and you know, whatever, I'm fine with
0: it. I'm less of a humanitarian, and uh, I, uh, that and then Eric Holmes is he's a very good, good man. I'm gonna say the same thing for Bruce Burke, I'll vouch for him as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty much a sociopath. So, whether this movie is a fake or real, I was entertained, I was really cool, and you know what, maybe they treated Will. The wrong way, but they, they got some good stuff. They got some really good stuff out of Will. And you don't understand you like Bruce was saying, you don't know if Will's telling the truth. There is something that happens to one of the stamp books. We're not gonna get into what happens to it, and you're wondering, hmm, maybe Will is has something to do with what happened to one of the stamp books, and then it cuts to a certain I know what I know what Eric Holmes' saying. There is a certain situation in editing where if you know and Sometimes it's all about the editing and the way this movie is edited. It can paint Will in a certain way, especially if you love, I don't know. What, I mean, this this has something to do with water, too, and boats and everything like that. There's a lot of different things, a lot of oh, different yeah, elements. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of really interesting things. And Eric is right. But look, I think, Eric, actually, you had a really cool way of thinking about this. You just enjoyed the actual movie, yeah. whether it's fake or or not. It's just a really Really awesome experience. This movie, I'm thinking, made for no money, except the biggest money of all, which is up time. Right. So ultimately, by, by spending so much time on this, the director and the producer and will all these people, director Joe Saunders, producer Alex Greer, and then Will Cassette Smith, they gave up their time for this for four years. And I think ultimately, whether it's real or fake, I'm I I just really enjoyed it. And also the website which I'm make, I'm going to make sure we link on our podcast descriptions they have deleted scenes on their on their website so you can go to to and check out different scenes that were left out from the documentary so to Eric's point is it could have been a docu series but thank goodness this is just a, ultimately a 98 minute movie but if you want to learn more about the penny black just go to its website and check out some of the deleted scenes and hopefully hopefully that website will ultimately answer a lot of viewers questions whether it was real or fake. So, hopefully that will be a living breathing website moving uh, forward. This is a very good forgery. We'll call it that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that is that is yeah. That is the Penny Black any anything else you guys want to talk about regarding this movie? Anything other other points, thoughts, Bruce, Eric?
2: Actually, like again, I I wasn't even thinking that this could possibly be a mockumentary or fake documentary or whatever you want to call it, but uh the more I'm thinking of it, because like while I was watching it, I was like, "Why is any of this even happening?" Because okay. at least if it was me, you'll take, you're going to take my book of stamps, and uh you'll come back for it in two weeks. I'm like, "Okay," and then I'll just put them away and forget about them until like, sure. and then four years goes by, and it's like, "What's this?" It's like, "Oh yeah, dude left the stamps." I don't know, are these worth anything? Yeah, fuck it, he's not coming back. Let's just sell them, and then that that'd be the beginning and end of it for me anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Bruce, do you think I was, I should, was I right in calling out that maybe this movie is fake and maybe I should have just. I had the exact same
1: thoughts, but, and, and I hear what Eric's saying too, but I think that they try to explain that away because I think they, they suggest that they met him like the day after he got the book of stamps. And when he told them the story, they said, Oh, we, can we start filming you about this? this is really interesting. And supposedly they went the next day and started filming him. And then so it goes. And I think that they, I feel like even if it isn't real, that some of the things like that Arizona thing might be real. Like they found a real set of people who had, had some stolen. And I think they went there and either way, I think they went there and they'll think those were people were real. And I think that was just a surprise occurrence of how that worked out
2: think that maybe they nomad landed it a little bit, a little bit. I think so. Oh, he, he, so here's the thing oh, very it, cool. it, <laughs> at the nickel, they have that bar rescue come by one that uh, is triple nickel. You probably find it on YouTube or whatever, you know, the producers come in probably a month, a couple weeks before they actually shoot the thing. And uh they kind of talk about, you know, they interview everyone that works there and kind of get an idea of like what the storyline they want is. And I don't know about the other bars, but I know with the nickel, uh they were like oh yeah we could play this up we could play this up and i'm gonna be this character you know like uh, they, it was it was realistic and it wasn't scripted as in they came bar rescue came in and said you're gonna do this and you're gonna do this but everyone kind of knew what time it was and they knew what they were doing so it was like we're gonna play this up a little bit and like every i, I wonder if maybe perhaps this is one of those things where maybe uh Roman's not in on it. The the pe-
1: people in Arizona not into it, but maybe Will is in on it. It could have even been something yes. as simple, and I don't want to give spoilers, but it could have been something as simple as the actual basic event occurred, but the other book didn't occur. If you think, if you oh. catch my drift, right. Right, and that could have been a way to keep everybody that's not the main people being themselves in the, actually in the real situation and letting all those you know setting out the private investigator doing all those things, but the one aspect of that other book might have not been real, so that could have caused a whole twist in it too. The best <laughs> best lesson
2: at all to learn about this, whether it's fake or not, just because it's in a documentary doesn't mean it's true.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm, you know what the, the filmmakers? check your sources <laughs> yeah right no like the filmmakers if they ever come out and saying this whole thing or most of it like Bruce is false they could come out and say this is also a movie a documentary about the veracity of documentaries and they could have made a very salient point right either way if this is this movie hits home I yeah solid recommend for me solid Bruce solid yes solid, solid man air yeah absolutely Wow, surprising. I thought the Penny Black was going to, I was going to actually apologize. Said, oh, I'm sorry, guys. We have to cover this one movie because we need a movie to cover this week. So glad it was the Penny Black. And listeners, tell us, tell, you know, I'm, I'm probably, tell Eric and Bruce are more likable than me. Tell tell them what you think of this movie and tell, tell us if you think this movie is all fake, all true, or maybe a little bit of both. Okay, so that's the Penny Black available now on digital, all digital platforms. Our second featured movie, is a movie that we can't pronounce, but we're gonna to try to pronounce. I thought it was initially called Undine, but the way they pronounce her name is Undina, and Undina is based on a, I think, a myth, a, a myth of a water nymph, Bruce Perky sort of. I don't even know what the. Yeah. Th- it's it's based on mythology, okay? But yeah. about a, a woman and from the waters and everything like that, and she there's something, and I don't, you know, honestly, I don't even want to explain the myth because that might actually lead to the unfurling of the story. Just know that Undine or Undina, Undina, played by by Paula Beer. Yeah, Beer is B-E-E-R. Paula Beer. She's fantastic in this movie. She is the lead character. She is the woman who might be a water nymph, or but we, we meet her. She's she's actually not. We don't meet her as some kind of Daryl Hannah uh, splash kind of character. No, we we meet her in in Germany, specifically in Berlin. She is a historian who. Essentially, is sort of a historian who, who uh, greets tourists, um, nat- tourists who come into the country, who come into Berlin, or people around the area, and she teaches them about the history of Berlin through very elaborate conversations, monologues, and she has a huge space to work with because while, while she's telling these stories, people can actually look at the architectural plan, the, the plan of the city, the ins and outs of the history. So on one level, this, these extended historical monologues will go over the eyes, ears, hearts, and minds over most people. But whatever you, however you feel about Undina, this has value added watches. So maybe the second or third time you watch it, you might just want to learn about the history of Berlin's city and architecture if you're passionate about that. Don't even pay attention to the story. Just listen to her monologues talking about Berlin. So that's one of the cool things about this. But ultimately, ultimately the entire story, it's I would just say it's a love triangle, but it's not as intricate as you think it is. It's it's a very simple story about Undina's love life and her relationship with a, I would say, guys, we'd call him a sort of a, a diver with a diver who actually becomes enamored of her while he's actually, I believe, experiencing one of her talks. And that diver is played by, I believe, what is I believe, yes, Frank Franz, Franz Rugowski. And you might know him if you've seen the director Christian Petzold's previous movie, Transit. Transit is a very atmospheric thriller/slash drama that I really enjoyed. And Undina is also atmospheric, and it has a very select, I think, viewership in a good way. I think I think it's it's a very esoteric film, but I think a lot of people will really enjoy this movie. I I remember Bruce Perky was saying that this is a total Greg film. Yes, Bruce, this is a total (laughs) Greg film. Eric Holmes, Undina, I have a little bit of a fear regarding what you felt about this movie. What did your overall big picture take on Undina? Um, Well, first of all, I'm kind of, uh, I'd almost recommend,
2: uh, I mean, I don't know if we want to give it away here. Probably not, but... If you don't know what Undina is, might be a good idea to Google it. And then it, it's, it'd be the first thing that pops up. Look up what Undina is. Because I think this is a movie because it's uh, was this German or French. German, uh, German. Okay, German movie. I'm thinking that uh, maybe people in Germany knew, know what Undina is, much like we know what a werewolf is so we don't the movie doesn't have to explain to us that person turns into a werewolf when the moon comes out full moon comes out they don't have to explain to us silver bullets we just get that because it's in our culture i i wonder how much of undina is in german culture to where because they don't they don't hold your hand and explain it yeah it's almost as if they just assume you know so it might not be a terrible idea to at least look a little bit of it up at the same time without knowing you can follow this movie pretty pretty good it it does that thing where i think the filmmakers know and even though i don't understand i understand the filmmakers do so i just kind of go with it and you know it's relatively easy to follow once you get into the uh rhythm of what it is undina explaining the uh history of berlin's uh architecture was like what the fuck is it okay
0: <laughs> am i in college <laughs> right now i felt like i was in college class electric class yeah
2: <laughs> um but then but then when they uh do the uh do those same scenes over later on or not the same scenes but kind of you know they kind of you know do the same thing every every day and and so when they start doing it, it seems to have more meaning to it maybe like it's a the whole movie itself is almost like a double entendre. I don't know what that entendre is, but it seems (laughs) like there's a double entendre in there somewhere. And then the ending of this movie, uh, I fell in love with it. Uh, It was just one of those movies, you know, it does that, you know, kind of slowly slips into the supernatural or the fairy tale of what this is. And then it just ends in such like a really dark way, you know, not like everybody dies, blah, blah, but it's like, Uh, i I guess somber maybe but yeah this this is uh this movie moved me in ways i wasn't expecting and i i kind of liked it uh i i didn't like the way i was feeling all the times watching it but overall it was quite effective and uh i think this was was a good one and he's not just a diver but he is underwater welder and uh thank you the the, i i do know how to weld and i've even uh, did stick welding before, not underwater because I'm not crazy, but <laughs> uh, but uh yeah, watching those scenes it was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's not
0: bad to weld. That well looks like shit, but you know whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I agree with you, Eric Holmes. I, I was I was surprisingly moved by this film. And Bruce Perky, I'm going to throw it to you. Were you surprisingly mm-hmm. moved by this film as well? Did it grip you, or did you feel distanced by? I guess the, es- the esoteric narrative.
1: Um, I thought it was good. I would definitely recommend it. I, I didn't quite go to the extent that it, I felt it could have gone for me. I actually agree wholeheartedly with what Eric said too. I don't think that there's anything, any detriment to knowing the mythology of this. I didn't until about, I went about halfway through and looked it up. And then I kind of was like, oh, okay, some of those, because there's things that are happening throughout that kind of seem symbolic. And you're like, but what is that supposed to mean? You know, it's supposed to mean something and you're not like getting what it is. At least I wasn't. And it helped me to kind of have that framework kind of, and it isn't the story of Cinderella, but it's kind of like you have a movie called Cinderella, right? But it was like modern times and very urban. You'd be like, okay, Cinderella in urban times. I understand this. I, I feel like Eric's probably right. And people that know that mythology or that what that is about, maybe in Germany or Europe or wherever, kind of go in off the bat with that framework. So they're fitting this modern story into that framework, which I think is helpful. The other thing that I kept thinking of, and that's why I thought of you, Greg, is I kept thinking of vertigo. Mm-hmm. I thought of the of vertigo a lot with this movie because this movie, not the story isn't vertigo. So don't get yourselves twisted on that guys. But in the aspect of this is really going for, and hits it mostly going for this kind of haunted, kind of haunted grasping for love in yeah. these characters. and it keeps doing this thing that, for me, was very vertigo-esque. It will repeat uh, scenes. Like there's a scene where you're walking around the edge of a wall to see an outside cafe and it repeats that view. There's multiple scenes where you repeat a view but the context has changed or the viewer has changed or what they're viewing has changed. And I think that kind of, it's kind of also speaks to what Eric was saying where as things happened later in the movie that had happened earlier, they kind of build meaning. They kind of have a more an emotional meaning because you've had the earlier version to kind of give you context. So I think all that stuff works really well. It didn't quite push up over the edge, but it was pretty close. Oh and last thing I wanted to say a Franz, if if he is not the German uh Joaquin Phoenix, right. <laughs> I don't
0: know who is <laughs> well that's Franz right. We mentioned Franz Rogowski. He's just one of those actors and it's rare. I don't know if you guys agree with me. It's you just put him – it's one of those actions you just put him or her in the scene and whatever. You'll just follow them sitting down, looking into space, and you're transfixed, whereas most people, you're going, okay, we're, we're wasting time here. Let's cut to the next scene. But guys like that, you're just really into him And that's – he's the lead in transit, and transit mm-hmm. has that very languorous type of pacing to it, and it wouldn't work if it didn't have someone like that version of Joaquin Phoenix as a lead. So and- – yeah.
1: Yeah. And last thing I wanted to say is, and I feel like their chemistry is really good. Like there's there's moments in here where they're just holding each other. Like, and you can see them kind of against each other's necks and they're either like kissing or they're just like, like talking to it. You get that feeling like that they're just, they need each other. Right. And I think that for a movie like this is super important because if you don't have that, you don't have anything in this movie. You've got to have that.
2: This was uh the, this was definitely one of those love stories where I wanted the two characters together. Like usually, I'm like oh, I hope they get together because that's what's supposed to happen in the plot. But this one, I was like, no, these two need to like it, it's palpable, and which is also kind of weird given what Undina like what her actual motivation is for wanting to be together is not entirely pure,
0: right?
2: <laughs> there was there was also something kind of towards the end that confused me and it sucks because I really can't even explain it here but there's a right. someone's talking to someone and there's a discrepancy on whether they did or not Maybe right. we'd have to talk off air or something but I that's really want to know if you guys know what that's all about because that that part went it, it was it was a cool scene
0: and it it, it definitely intrigued me. But that thing went right over my head. I'm like, what the fuck's going on there? Well, that went right over my head too, and I don't know. The, I don't know, Bruce, if you oh. agree. I, there's there's no way to explain it except that there's two words: Rod Serling, three words: yeah. Twilight Zone. <laughs>
1: okay, <laughs> I could see this getting a real strong cult following. It has that kind of mysterious aspect. That I think people who get into it, like I thought it was definitely good. People who get into it will really get into all the little details. I mean, there's like a a, a diving uh, a diver figurine that breaks its leg and they'll get into like you know that <laughs> right. thing being repaired and what that means there's lots of little there's a, a stain on a wall there's all kinds of stuff that i could see people like just getting very nerdy about and causing it to have some real strong ongoing cult status for people because i'd like uh i
0: agree with david you. lynch is
1: a bad example
2: because his moves are weird and this isn't really that weird it's pretty straightforward for the most part but yeah it, it, i think this movie has one of those things like you could probably watch this five times and the fifth time you'd be like, Oh, that's what that means. I, I think this yeah. like, it, it doesn't seem like that at first glance, but after watching it and thinking about it, I'm like, you know, I bet, I bet if I watch this movie a bunch more times, I'm just like pick up on so many little details. It just went right over my head the first 10 times I watched this.
0: Well, going back to what Bruce Perky was saying about how it, this movie reminded him of vertigo and of course Vertigo's score was scored by Bernard Herman and I was wondering, actually, in the opening moments, the opening of Undina, just absolutely, I'm sure it hooked both of you as well. It hooked—it hooks you in right from the opening moments because there's not too much of a score. And then when the score kicks in, it grabs you. And I'm thinking, what who's what, what's a composer who's doing this classical music? And is it the, what, like a Hans Zimmer type? <laughs> yeah. This is how much of a class a, that ignoramus I am. No, there, there is no real living composer who did the music for this. It is this this dude I'm not very well-known, well-versed with, Johann Sebastian Bach, the classical composer, and that is Adagio, what is it, Concerto in D minor. So going back to Bruce's theme of a lot of things repeating themselves, this may irritate you or this may draw you in. Expect a lot of Bach's Concerto in D minor to actually repeat itself throughout various sections of the movie to the point, again, I was loving it. Maybe a few people will say, okay, enough already with Bach, but it really adds to the whole unpacking. Eric Holmes was saying that, you know, it seems like a straight ahead thing, but look, here we are, we're all unpacking it. And like Eric was saying, maybe by the fourth or fifth time you're seeing this, maybe it's a lot weirder than you initially thought on the first and even second viewing. So yeah, and I, I we even talked about the history of Berlin. There's a lot of stuff to unpack with Undina and you know what's also interesting? I don't know if you guys felt this, but the director Christian Petzold—he had all these really cool following shots. The locations are—it's beautiful to look at. And I was just thinking, man, this is such a personal movie, and there's a lot of a lot of themes behind it. But can, can you imagine this guy just doing a straight up genre film? Whether it's oh yeah,
1: oh be good, right? Like a, be, like a straight on mystery or a thriller? I could totally or, see that.
0: Or a gritty crime thriller, mm-hmm. mystery thriller, he would kill it. But he decides to do something like Undina. Mm-hmm. So credit to him, just a yeah. personal movie, and he has all of the mise en scène. He has all of the, he has all of the tricks, right? And hey, he could do he could do a sea movie, an ocean film, right? An underwater <laughs> can't can, can't he do an underwater alien film, Eric? What do you think of that underwater <laughs> alien film? I mean, if, if we're if we're playing what
2: I wish he would do, like uh yeah, okay, uh, here we go. Based on based on stuff, the the original Franken, the original story of Frankenstein, not the not the movie, but like the the actual Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, because Kenneth Branagh tried it, and you yeah. know, uh, Frank Darabont wrote the script. Kenneth Branagh, you know, tortured it and whatever, kind of um, it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I I could see uh the, this uh you know Ooh. this director kind of he he kind of has a a way of like injecting sorrow without look at how sorrowful it is you know it's just kind of it's kind of under and and there's a lot of that in the original Frankenstein book. I I I think he could do a great adaptation of that if that's something they wanted to do.
1: Okay. Yeah, like there's that kind of a haunted feel to this, right? Like and it's not really super easy to nail down how it gets there. Like it doesn't put out the spooky things in there, you know, it's just
0: it's just haunted and like melancholy, like you say. Yeah. Yeah, without being saccharine. Very good, Eric. Yeah. yeah, that's Undina. We again another movie. Oh, and by the way, a little little bit of little bit of thing. I've always said how Eric Holmes and Bruce Spurkey are always nicer than me. Notice how they never defend me, uh, because that's I'm just telling. I'm just weaving the truth. I'm telling the truth. Yesterday we received the screen into IFC Films. We were supposed to get it on Friday, but due to my in my ridiculousness, I actually asked it on the midnight hour on Friday. We did not get it on until. Tuesday, which was earlier in the week we're taping out on Wednesday night I told I told them, hey don't even worry about watching Undina. We'll just do the penny black but Eric Holmes and Bruce said no we'll just watch it midnight hour. They just decided to stomach it. So basically they're the leaders. I would not have covered it because I'm too lazy. Thanks. Please thank Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes for actually being real podcasters and making me see Undino. It was a very pleasurable experience. Were you guys actually worried that this move might suck? Cause I, I thought mm. it was going to suck. Oh, oh okay. Mm.
2: I, I had, I had no idea what it was going to be until I put it on. And then I was
0: like, just kind of confused. Until I wasn't, and then I was like, I kind of <laughs> like this a lot. So, okay, strong, strong recommendation for me. Uh, Bruce Perky, solid recommendation for you. And yep, good, yep. Re- solid, solid for you, Eric. Solid. Okay, solid. Rec- okay, so all solids for us. And that is Undina. That is our second and final featured review for this week. And Undina opens June fourth in theaters and on digital and VOD platforms. So, listeners, if any of you still love staying at home like me, I'm not. I'm still not going to theaters for. a little bit of a spell check it out on digital and VOD. but if you're more outgoing like eric holmes and bruce perky check it out also in theaters so those are our two big movies we are doing our now our weekly recommends bruce perky a quiet place part two eric holmes i know you're going to watch that very very soon maybe even this weekend did the movie live up to its original uh i would say um yeah, right out of the gate, I would say, yes, yes, it does. So if you like
1: the original A Quiet Place, I think you'll like this movie. I don't. I think it's a, a solid sequel. It's a little different uh, in style. So I would say that the original a Quiet Place, it's a lot more building up the tension, building up the tension until you finally get some monster stuff towards the end. This has a lot more monster stuff throughout. So if you felt like maybe the first one held back a little bit too much for you, you might like this even better if you thought the first one was just perfect this one might be a slight downgrade for you but not not much basic concept i saw the theater today by the way with my oldest son and he liked it quite a bit too uh 20 people in the theater just yeah wednesday so you know so the basic concept uh if you've seen the other one i'm not going to spoil it but let's just say this one has a little mini pre-title sequence about a 10-minute sequence that says day one and you get to see the beginning of what happened and then after the titles, we come back to directly after where the last movie ended and basically continue that story. I'm not going to get into too many of the details of it because uh, it's a monster movie, right? So if you go in for a monster movie where you don't want to make noise or you're going to cause the monsters to get you, this movie does a lot of that. As far as actors, you have Emily Blunt back. You have uh, Cillian Murphy. So if you have, haven't have seen him lately, he plays a big role in this and he does a really good job and the kids are back in this and they're just as good as they were before. There are a few preposterous moments where you're like, why is that person doing that? And there's a few of those, but not too bad. And this doesn't, definitely doesn't go down into the territory that we complained about a few weeks ago with another movie, which we won't talk about, but...
0: Oh, mention that again? No, I'd not say anything. <laughs> wait, Didn't no, say we, anything. we need to mention it every week. By the way, we, we do need <laughs> to get a reference touch. to Zack Snyder. Every single our our mission statement is to mention the Zack Snyder and his oeuvre every single. Wait, Eric Holmes, am I right? Was that our mission statement for Find Your Film? Or no?
2: He already owes me a punch in the face. I'm not looking to get a second one because he does. He's pretty yoked. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, yeah, he is pretty yoked. Yeah, he's yoked. So, uh, it's not a long movie. This movie, I I didn't check the time on it, but I, I couldn't have clocked in more than an hour and maybe 35, 40 minutes. It wasn't it wasn't super duper long. It has a basic point. Oh, one thing this does, movie does really great too. So it has some really good monster set pieces, what you'd expect for a movie like this. But what it does really good, it, uh, it does a preposterous thing that a lot of these movies do where it splits up your characters, you know, kind of Scooby-Doo style. I'm going to go here. You're going to go here. I'm going to go there. And it does that, which is really good. In the fact that what they'll do is they'll have three tense scenes at one point they have three another point they have two tense scenes all building at the same time so you're going back and forth between these scenes so that essentially you have like three set pieces three action scary tense set pieces all culminating together and you'll go back and forth between the three of them and that that really added to me a lot of a lot of fun into this movie it's it's just a really good good, solid monster movie. Like I said, if you liked the previous one, this is just more good stuff. It doesn't go down. It doesn't overblow it to the point that some sequels do. It just gives you more of
0: a solid story, solid monster movie. Do you see another, another installment coming? Is this going to be a slew of a franchise kind of thing? It could. I mean,
1: it isn't like the end of the world. The world's where every—I know this is not a spoiler—but every alien isn't lying dead in the whole world by the end of this movie. So they could do it. I don't think they need to. This could be the end. They could wrap it up right here, and it'll be totally fine. If they want to do another one, I mean, well, as we know, third third sequels are always the best. So they oh, probably okay. should do a third one, right, Eric? <laughs> a little, a little Superman three godfather three god
2: willing gremlins three the third one's always the best one
0: <laughs> <laughs> so eric you're gonna be watching a quiet place part two maybe this weekend is that going to do? are you what are you excited about that did you like the first one as much as boosted and yeah you know? yeah
2: the, the weird thing about the first one is that it had so many stupid things in it that normally any any other movie would be a deal breaker and i don't know why it wasn't for me for the first one so I'm yeah. kind of expecting some of that in this one, but yes. you
0: know,
2: um, yeah, I I, I like the first one, and uh, I definitely liked watching in the theater. It, I don't yeah. know, did it have the? I mean, so when I saw A Quiet Place One, the theater was packed, and they're just not that way right now. Even if everyone does go out, they got the limited seating. But Bruce, did you get the same uh, deal that you might have got with Quiet Place One, where people start uh, eating their uh, Twizzlers and realize? <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. just need to put this bag down. It's making too much noise.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some moments like that. And and you will be exactly, uh, this worked exactly the same way. There's a couple of things in here that you're like, that's so stupid. There's one point where the boy goes, I'm not gonna say what he does. He goes and goes somewhere and does something. You're like, why is he doing that? Other than the script told him to do that, you know? <laughs> but I think that the the actual editing and the care the care in the way the tense scenes play out just lets you forgive it because it's it's just entertaining you know what i mean and you're like okay it's a stupid monster movie they're gonna do stupid things because it's a stupid monster movie you know but i think almost it's probably less stupid stuff i think in this one in some ways uh, and it's a little more expansive too you get to see a little more of the apocalyptic world which is kind of nice you you get out of that little because the other one was pretty much just in that farmhouse almost the whole time this one definitely goes further away which is kind and I, I enjoy an apocalyptic thing to see a little more of that world. So um, yeah, I
0: think you'll enjoy it. And yes, <laughs> everyone's like crunching their stuff. It's Okay, it's so that, that's A Quiet Place, what part two? A Quiet Place 2 is currently out now in theaters. Bruce, before we get to Eric Holmes, do you have one more recommendation that you want to throw out there? Or um, I think I'll just tease one. I'm Probably next week we'll talk about at least
1: one of them. If I talk about two, one of them will probably be Bo Burnham's Inside which just got released on Netflix. Uh, I'm I'm about three quarters of the way through it and it's pretty amazing. So,
0: And we haven't done a director spotlight in a spell. That is, I'm going to yes. put that all on me because I'm actually trying to revamp my website, Deepest Dream, and I'm going to actually start putting the archives now onto that site. I actually have a summer break in about two weeks. So once that starts, all of that archiving will finally, after a full year of promises, will begin well, now that said, that's why we're, we're we've been procrastinating. I've been I've been holding it back. But once we get it cleared, Bruce Perky in about a week uh, and or, or in change, what can we mm-hmm. expect as far as director spotlight goes?
1: Well, I'm gonna suggest we do Peter Strickland, and uh, the reason I'm doing that is uh, I think it's really fun when we do some of the the old rediscover or discover older directors, and and we've done things like Maya Darren, like really obscure older directors. But I also like to occasionally feature a director that's maybe up and coming now and doing really interesting work, even if they're not a classic director yet, then maybe they will be. So it's kind of fun to have someone like that also. So that if we do end up liking them, you're looking forward to another movie for them and that can be coming out. So Peter Strickland, we're going to do In Fabric and we're going to do The Duke of Burgundy. Those are both available. You can stream them, I think, for rent, maybe maybe one of them. I think In Fabric might be available free to stream in a couple places, too. Uh, he also did Barbarian Sound System, which I've seen a long time ago and want to revisit at some point. And uh, he did another movie called *Catalin Varga, which I... I've not seen. Really interesting British director. These are very acquired tastes and very unusual films. I would probably not suggest it to Angie Clark. I'm just going to say that out of the you gate. Like just to Angie Clark. Okay. <laughs> May not cool. be for her.
0: May not be for Angie. Yeah, that's Angie Clark. Definitely listen to our episode with Angie, where we actually do a deep dive on the Ili Kazan film, Wild River. What a great yes. choice from Angie Clark, a friend of the show, our friend, period now yeah so has peter strickland has he done a classic you think out of those two movies where i think opinion? duke of burgundy duke and burgundy is
1: a pretty great film all the way through and i think it has a soundtrack that if nothing else i think you especially greg but i think it's a an amazing soundtrack in fabric is two-thirds fucking fantastic and one-third really weird it makes a turn at about the two-third mark you'd be like what why did we do that? <laughs> but it's so interesting and so odd. And it has such strong giallo vibes that I think that if nothing else, you're going to find you're going to now be prepared to either enjoy it or hate it based on your, all your giallo experience now. So
0: oh, very cool. Okay, so yeah. Strickland will be covering him and his work in fabric and the Duke of Burgundy, right? Mm-hmm. In a week and a half. Okay, so that's really cool. Eric Holmes, let's get to to your recommendations for this week.
2: Alright, well, I saw a movie on Netflix that's 6.9
0: out of 10 on IMDb, so already we're starting off great. Okay, is that a, is that a Penny Black reference? Is that true? Is that a true reference? Is that a true rating, or did you just make that up, right, just, just for the uh, entertainment of uh, 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 it all? Uh, it? I think we go. he has
1: a news alert in his phone that makes it uh, come
0: up that way. Oh, very good. How 6.9 out of 10. Okay, <laughs> very good. How dare I Penny Black you? You're correct. Eric Holmes is, t- is t- um, the soothsayer, soothsayer. Go ahead.
2: It's Okay, IMDb called Calls this a 2020 release. I, and it may have been on, I, I, I don't know. I, I just found it this week. So I, I watched it and it's called black holes. The edge of all we know, you may remember not long ago, uh, the world, uh, was, uh, presented with a orange yellowish picture and a lot of black of uh, our first, first sight of a black hole. We finally saw a black hole. Um, you may have read in the news about how they achieved that, that blurry picture, and this is a documentary of exactly that: the Event Horizon Telescope. There's telescopes. Don't remember how many of them. There's a bunch of telescopes all over the Earth. Different teams working the telescopes and working in tandem to all get a picture of a black hole. And it just kind of uh, souped the nuts sort of thing of uh, what what it takes and how extremely difficult. And how I mean we throw genius around when it comes to art, but the, the stuff that these scientists go through to uh you know look at a picture of a thing that doesn't emit light. I mean that's <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and this is and this is something we've never seen and only know of theoretically like oh we think it might be there. And it's a 200 some light years, a million light years away. And uh, we're on this little blue marble. And hopefully uh, we got a bunch of even tinier little pieces of glass that can hopefully pick up something that maybe possibly if we all, if conditions are all perfect and then we can work together and do this, maybe possibly we could see something. And spoiler alert, we did they saw something they, you know, but, but this is, this is not so much the uh, This is not so much the, what what's the saying? It's the journey. It's not the, de- this isn't the destination. We know right. how this ends. They saw, they got a picture of a black hole. This is the journey of how they got there. And for someone like me, this is entirely just the right, right up my alley. Like I, I'm just yeah. absolutely interested in this for other people, maybe not but if you're into stuff like this the weird thing about this though, like as a documentary because this does have to i think this knows its audience so it kind of dumbs some things down uh so it's not constantly talking over your head which it very easily could do it it, it dumbs it down enough not like okay here we're gonna hold your hand and we're gonna grab the crayon and now we're gonna draw a little bear you like bears right you know it's, it's not quite quite like that but Uh, it it makes it easy easy to follow and also uh, Stephen Hawking is uh, presented quite a bit in this and actually watching this because I I remember watching the theory of everything and hating that movie uh, (laughs) because I wanted to watch a movie about Stephen Hawking doing what he's most known for yeah I I want to watch Stephen Hawking work and theory of everything was a story about Stephen Hawking's love life the thing I'm least interested about (laughs) Stephen Hawking. Uh, This was uh, this was the Stephen Hawking documentary I wanted. And it's not even a
1: Stephen Hawking documentary. That's awesome. And did you say it also had Sam Neill in the event horizon? Like, to go
0: out there and get the pictures of it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <Very laughs> wow. That's an amazing movie.
0: Oh, and... um That's a plug this... for Event Horizon, available on Blu-ray and DVD. Please hit us up on Amazon Associates. So This, yeah. I was thinking of, and you guys can help me out,
2: because yeah. uh, we... So at the end of this song, uh one of the one of the uh scientists is listening to Somewhere Over the Rainbow, the the Hawaiian version of it, the Mm -hmm. haunting version. The version I like anyway. Great one. But we we saw another movie with Somewhere Over the Rainbow. At least I did, and I can't remember. Oh never mind. Never mind. We haven't talked about it yet. Yeah. Well, that, that movie has so, to deal with an organ. Re- remember that. Organs. Somewhere over the ra- rainbow that, plays at right. the end of this movie. That, that movie just... has
0: to do with an organ player and <laughs> organs and acid and a lot of, uh, a lot of blood. So we're going to get to that in a second. Yeah, a little teaser. I fucked up. <laughs> no, you didn't F up. You didn't F up. You know, speaking of F ups. Yes. The, the documentary features Stephen Hawking. Shep. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Shep Dolman and Wait. the Event Horizon Telescope Team. The, the reason, reason why, why I know and th- Shep were in this? <laughs> oh my god. Good. This movie's be better and better. <laughs> Bruce, see, we can't talk science around Bruce because then he'll have jokes. He'll have jokes about it. Also, the Event Horizon telescope team it does not include Sam Neil from Event Horizon. Oh, wise guy, eh? <laughs> wise guy. <laughs> the reason why I know this is black hole is the edge of all we know. It's it's because a wonderful publicist who I should have gotten back to, I just opened up an email from February 5th pitching the black black holes the edge of all we know and asking if we would be interested in an interview (laughs) with the director or scientist katie bowman so sorry eric speaking of (laughs) f-ups i found it i found it regardless (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm I'm glad that you found it eric but but like you said it's currently streaming on netflix is that where you got it Is that how you got
2: it? Okay, good. And oh, there's also another thing. So the very first image you see is like uh, a space, you know, just a bunch of stars, and then you see like a a air quotes black hole. It's just basically a black circle in front of stars, so you can barely see it. If you know anything about black holes, like I'm watching, going, "That's fucking bullshit." Where's the gravitational lensing? Blah blah, blah, (laughs) this and that. But then it, it, it pans back, and the black hole is the pupil of the eye. And then that, that's uh, oh. it's basically we're trying to see the black hole. And the thing is, we can't see the black hole because uh, the, the light doesn't come from we, 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 uh, we can see the event horizon or the shadow of the event horizon. Uh, everything we know is in the black hole, but we can only see the edge of all we know. Oh, it just. Devil Entendre is in the title.
0: Very good.
2: At first, I was like, this is stupid. And then I thought about it. And then
0: it was like, oh, you clever monkeys, you. (laughs) All right, folks, if you want to get confused for about three hours, watch Undina and then watch Black Holes, the edge of all we know. And you will be a a confused mess by the end of it. or, Or maybe you'll be smarter, like Eric Holmes. So that is it. That is our movies for this week, I believe. because we're going to wrap it up, we're going to bring up, bring out the rear with what's in the box, Bruce Perky's. What's in the box? You know what? Even before we get to the abominable, abominable Doctor Fives, Bruce, you also watched Coco. Which one should we take, tackle first? Yeah. Do we go do Coco or, we or do, do we...
1: Coco first, really quick? Okay, Coco, Coco really quick. Okay, yeah. So Coco is on Disney Plus. Uh, I think this was. Oh shoot! I don't know if I know it. Was it Matt
0: Stillman's? I believe it was. Request? I believe it was Matt Stillman's pick. Yeah. Matt yes. Stillman.
1: Matt Stillman. Okay, and he had had it for you to watch because you don't usually watch very many cartoons, but you've seen this animated movie. And, and I did get teary. I get. I got teary eyed by that.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. So, 2017, directed by Lee and Adrian Molina boy this is like actually kind of a complicated complicated plot so I'll just give you the basic the basic idea is that you have a little boy of a long family and the family because the great 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 grandfather had left to go become a famous musician the family basically has banned all music banned all music they don't, they don't listen to music they don't play music they don't music is verboten and the littlest boy uh, Miguel, he's the you know the main guy in this in this story. He's the youngest great 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 grandchild, and he secretly loves music and he secretly idolizes this the the man who went off and became famous from their family. And he kind of wants to you know be musical and all this stuff. And through a series of events on uh, the Day of the Dead, he ends up in the land of the dead. And probably what do you say? two-thirds or more of this movie is in the land of the dead uh, and it's there's a whole series of plot developments that occur and I can't even go through them all. I, I, I was very very pleasantly surprised by how intricate and interesting the actual story was. There's actual twists, there's intrigue, there's drama but even more so the look and the world building that goes into the land of the dead and the rules of the land of the dead and what happens there and who can come over and when, and they can come back to the living. And if they're allowed back to the living, it's a ton of fun. It's really dazzlingly beautiful. That the design of everything is is really wonderful. It does the emotional job that like Pixar movies generally
0: can do. And I believe this is a Pixar movie. It's really good. It's the just music's fantastic. Movie. I think the music yes. is very, very good. And, I, and it's not just "Remember Me." It's the whole bunch. The whole flavor of it. You really feel. I mean, I'm not a huge animation guy, and I was I was really into it. I was really into the whole thing.
1: And it does a thing that you rarely see. I mean, usually in movies, when the fingers are playing guitar with actual live human beings, they're not doing it right. But from what I could tell, these cartoon fingers were doing it right. <laughs> so that was pretty impressive, too. Do you like the way it dealt with death as well? I mean, just for kids? Yes. De- okay. okay. Yeah. It deals yeah. with it. It doesn't sugarcoat death. And it doesn't make it like like nothing to worry about. But it also doesn't make it like super duper sad. It actually really grounds it, I think, and it creates this whole mythology around it too, which is really interesting and unusual. So I, I yeah. loved
0: it. Great, yeah. Uh it, Eric, oh, Eric, Eric What are you doing? First of
2: all, I love Coco, but I just noticed okay. some. I, I I just noticed something that maybe I shouldn't say out loud, what? but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> oh no! What? So you gotta, you gotta got a movie like coco which is good at uh, uh being diverse uh bringing uh you know certain groups of people that aren't normally in movies and that's great as the mm-hmm. soul and both movies kill off the main character almost immediately
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's not a spoiler folks not a yeah. spoiler that's the, that's the premise of the both of both movies very, but they, very have,
2: they have adventures in the afterlife so that's fun but yeah i, I just
1: saw that and it's like
0: yeah. yeah,
1: maybe we can have one where they don't die in the first yeah. five minutes. <laughs>
0: How about that? How about that? We'll take it up with Pixar. Let's have we'll let's, up let's up have Pixar, Pixar have
2: like a, a, a LBGTQ, uh main character, but let's not kill them off like within yeah. the first ten minutes if that
0: if that's at all possible. Very good point. Yeah, and yeah, I guess you give him credit with with Soul and, and, and Coco and even uh, years ago with The Lion King, there's at least the, the topic of death and the circle of life and everything is, is broached. So, I don't know. So that, that's a cool thing. That's a very, very cool thing. You know what also talks about death? is the abominable Dr. Fibes.
2: Nine killed you. Nine shall die and be returned your loss. Nine...
0: Times nine. Made in 1971. It was released May 18th, 1971. Bruce, I'm going to let you take this in a second. It's 94 minutes. It's directed by this guy named Robert Fuest. F-U-E-S-T. I had no idea who the bleeping bleep this guy was. All I know is he directed Vincent Price and Joseph Cotton in a movie. (laughs) That is some kind of bleeping pairing. And I am... So glad that I was actually able to see that pairing work in its full glory. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna get to you, Bruce in a second. I'm just gonna say the IMDB summary of the plot. quote, "A doctor scientist, organist and biblical scholar Anton Fibes, played by Vincent Price, seeks revenge on the nine doctors he considers responsible for his wife's death there. That's the IMDB summary. We can work it off that way. I'm going to give my my reactions on this in a second. Bruce, why did why was why was this movie a, a selection for you? Why did you want me to, me and Eric to see it? Well,
1: this has been kind of a lifelong favorite of mine. I I watched this god knows how long ago, like probably in the late 70s or early 80s on some you know, midnight marquee horror, you know, channel. But um, yeah, I've seen it a few times in my life. And when it got brought up recently, I don't know how it got brought up recently on the page, on our cinematics page there, the go join the group cinematic group. It's really fun. I was surprised by how many people had not even heard of it, especially people like people that are really cinephiles. And I was like, well, if they haven't heard of it, then I, some people need to check this out. Because if nothing else, even if this isn't your style of movie, it's really stylish and really unusual. And it's something that should at least be in your radar. Basic thing to note about this. So you talk about him having revenge. I think it goes about 30 minutes before you even hear Vincent Price speak as he does speak. <laughs> does he does speak, yeah. I, yeah. And it might even yeah. be 10 or 15 minutes before anyone speaks. And the thing that you really have to understand about this movie is, it's kind of like, the you know, seven deadly sins kind of a thing. Like he, you know, he does like the plagues, Pharaoh's plagues to kill all these doctors. And it's done in a semi-humorous way. It's done in very interesting and stylishly. There's some stuff here that's even almost saw-like in the way that it progresses these traps that he sets up. But most importantly, the lair of Dr. Fibes is, to me, something glorious. It's this art deco, wind-up band, weird set. And he is almost like, I don't know, like Phantom of the Opera or something. It's very, very... How dare you?
0: Yeah. (laughs) He's, He's like Phantom of the Paradise.
1: Yes. it Actually, is closer to Phantom of the Paradise. That's true. And we can't go any further without mentioning that his assistant, Volnavia, played by Virginia North, is spectacular. I I love the combination of her and Vincent Price in this movie. Uh, and I'll let you guys say what you think. Uh, if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but I love this movie. And I watched it with my son. I thought he's going to probably hate it. You know, this is from the 70s and he's from this era. And he actually really enjoyed it. And he really liked Volnavia, too. The, the, this movie is exactly seven if
2: John Doe was Mr. Freeze trying to get revenge on his wife's death by using uh, traps from Saw. Like <laughs> the, the, the fact that like Mr. Freeze, well, uh, Mr. Freeze probably came out before this, but the, the character anyway, but the uh, Seven and Saw have to be so heavily inspired by this because they pretty much rip off Dr. Vibes almost, uh, not beat for beat, but I mean it's you know you do the uh, elevator pitch for Doctor Fives, and if someone didn't know they'd be like, oh that's seven. No, it's not seven. Saw? No, Doctor Fives. Oh, what's that? <laughs> and uh, the the fact that uh, Vincent Price doesn't talk really because he uses uh, he, I I kind of wish I kind of wish he didn't talk at all in this. That yeah. that would that would have just really set it over the top for me, and because especially since he was such a big star back then. And having a, a completely silent role uh, would have been sweet. Uh, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm actually kind of sad this got away from me for as long as it did. But this movie is pretty, pretty freaking fantastic across the board. You know, there's, there's some spots here and there that are kind of uh, campy-ish. Probably, you know, just because of the technology of the day, trying to do the effects that they do. But this is, yeah, this is a really, really good, really good movie. And I was th- I I was thinking it would be kind of ripe for a remake these days, but they already did it twice in Seven and Saw,
0: so <laughs> good job. Yeah, the Abominable Dr. Fives. One of the things that absolutely sp- is it's a big. I, I I like to say having the rug pulled at from you because this whole movie that's what it does. The entire movie is plays tricks on you the whole time. The opening is just right out of you don't know what the heck you're, you're thinking to yourself. What who? Why are they Why are they playing music? Who are these animated things playing? What's this band? What What is going on? For the first five to seven minutes, you're probably clueless. And ultimately this narrative, without giving too much away, we mentioned Joseph Cotton. He plays the doctor, the main person that Dr. Fibes is going after. So it's a kind of a doctor, Dr. Fibes and Joseph Cotton as the doctor. What's his doctor's name? Dr. Vesalius. 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 Yes. <laughs> it's a doctor on doctor kind of crime. You're waiting for that final showdown. All that said, Bruce, who's the main character in the movie? For me, it's Volnavia. (laughs) Okay, that is Bruce channeling his inner man, inner child. Yes, because yes, she is is very beautiful. She's very magnetic. No, the main character is Peter Jeffrey. We don't even know who Peter Jeffrey is. He plays Detective Inspector Trout. This whole (laughs) movie is... Detector, Detective Inspector Trout, Eric Holmes mentioned Saw. That's one of those things where you go, oh, Saw, is it really about the killer? Is it really about the themes? No, sometimes the ultimate character is probably the protagonist, the lead, is sometimes the person you forget the most. And by the end of the movie, you're going to forget that Detective Inspector Trout, played by Peter Jeffrey, convincingly, he's very funny, by the way, because he's mm. a little bit bumbling. He does a good job. He's very brave but he does have his bumbles. He's the main character. He's the main guy. He's the anchor of the entire narrative. That said, whenever... I was going to say Peter Cushing. How can I... That's sacrilege. Vincent Price is fantastic in this movie with, with having really nothing to say but whatever he does say, whether it's through that like voice box that's just kind of attached to his thing, like, I, his I I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna peacefully agree with uh, disagree with you, Eric Holmes. I loved actually having him speak because whatever comes out of his mouth is just just ridiculous. monologues about love and nine while nine shall (laughs) die. Nine (laughs) while nine. (laughs) It's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous stuff coming out of his mouth. And yeah, Vincent Price just really nails it. So this is, to me, a near perfect movie. What's a little bit frustrating for me is that director Robert fused or I've looked at his body of work and I definitely want to see more of his stuff. He should have just based on what he pulled off with this movie, and I know there's a sequel. I'm sure you've already seen the sequel, Bruce Perky. But this director showed he has a lot of skill, and I'm so I, if I could turn back time, I would give this guy just tentpole films. He just has this. This movie is so out there, and it just nails all of its out there moments. In my opinion, it does get campy, but even in its campy campy moments, oh. I was never never lost me. the 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 movie's also
2: funny and not like laughing at it because it's so bad like it actually has legitimate humor to it and it's clever
0: it's there's so many moments that are very clever
2: yeah yeah and and it's 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 kind of uh like the the tone goes all over the place but it, it does that to bring up gremlins again the when it's trying to nail comedy it nails it when it's trying to nail horror it nails it when it's trying to nail mystery it nails it when it's trying to nail musical it nails that too like it's almost like every everything it tries it does it well and Mm -hmm. everything kind of uh slips into each other and just works like on paper this movie should just be a hot mess and one of the worst movies ever it is not
0: it's not even close almost masterful really it is it's very masterful and you know what you talked about like even just the comedy or some of those genius places i never expected the comedy to arise from moments that are on a normal movie would be a throwaway line. It's just, because ultimately (laughs) this ends up being almost like a procedural because they're following, right? But during the moments when you think, okay, it's okay to actually breathe and say stupid lines that just forward the plot. Nope, the script injects some comedic moments between incidental characters that have nothing to do with Cotton or Price. So there's just comedy amongst a lot of the ensemble. And I really love, that was just, Pretty much chef's kiss to me because a lot of unexpected genius in places that you never just thought it'd be. So Bruce, going back to you, just final thoughts on... Dr. oh I just was
1: gonna say it's funny you mentioned Peter Cushing because I think originally they wanted Dr. Vesalius to be played by Peter Cushing like that's oh. who they wanted but his he wasn't able to do it so they got Joseph Cotton yeah I totally agree with you I think one of the other things that I, I kind of always strikes me when I watch this every time I watch it I, I catch different things and I and I, and I love it it just this is one of those comfort movies for me probably partially nostalgia but I think it also like some of those moments where you're just sitting there listening to the music and they're just sitting there and their lair is just so almost relaxing but I also love how every time they go to do another murder, I don't know how you guys, how it struck you guys, but each time they go to do it, you're like, okay, what is he up to? What is he doing? Like every time there's a mystery to what he's going to do. So you want to get the reveal of like what curse is being played and how he's playing it out. There's one point where they stop a car on the side of the road and you see him pull this machine, this weird silver machine out of his car. And you're like, what is that? So there's an element of, that kind of propels it propels it forward. I think in a
0: lot of ways, and it's very perverse because you're pulling for the death. That's very, yeah, very you perverse. are totally. It's a perverse entertainment, but it, it's it's a guilty pleasure, and each death is done perfectly. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, I. Yes. I, I I don't know if it'll be good or not, but
2: I am curious to watch the sequel to this, if only to see if he drinks from his neck again. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> the sequel, I'll just say the sequel is not near as good, but it is entertaining. It has entertaining moments for sure. Um, I won't tell you it just, how it just, goes.
2: Is there a neck drink scene? That's all I want to know. <laughs> I you
1: know, I can't remember it's been a while since I've seen it. I, I believe there is a neck drink scene. There Sweet. it doesn't Soul. quite have the glorious style of this one, but once again, this is not available to stream like hardly anywhere. Oh, unbelievable. And, here, and here's the- this old DVD that
0: I got with the split is like 50 or 60 bucks if you want to go buy it. Unbelievable. Eh. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, hey, by the way, the Joseph Cotton character, the doctor, they, I mean, it could have been just your average a-hole doctor, but not going to give too much weight, but it's actually a layered character you're actually conflicted whether you want him to be to be killed by the end you're actually conflicted yeah. and say what
1: right? you will but that final trap that final trap is absolutely saw oh, right. absolutely saw it is like <laughs> eric is nodding his head he agrees absolutely too <laughs> yeah it's, yeah so look at look up this movie uh, there are places to find it we I'm not going to say exactly where, but you can figure it out. You're smart. Yeah, you can
0: be, look, folks. I mean, YouTube doesn't sponsor us. Go to YouTube, type in the abominable Dr. Fives. There are going to be, I think Bruce sent me some really good transfers. You can always email bruceperky at gmail.com. I'm going to out you, Bruce. But, anyways, don't do it. Don't go through Bruce for that. Just go to YouTube, go find it, go find a nice transfer. As of this recording, it's available. I, I guess. Like Eric, what you've always been passionate about, it's it's sort of a fair use kind of video. So it's out now on YouTube. You can stream it for free. Can't yeah, get it anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid. I mean I mean, honestly, that sucks because I the transfer for you, Bruce, is it okay on D V D? It's probably it's I okay.
1: I I would definitely upgrade this though to a Blu-ray or something because I think it looks the scenes, especially in that in their lair and stuff, are so beautiful. Like, I, I want to see it in all of its glory, you know. I didn't check, but uh, like, this isn't on Shudder
2: because this this is totally a Shutter Shudder oh movie. God. Like, if, if there ever was one, this is the
1: Shudder movie. Not currently. I bet you it'll get on there, though. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then Bruce to finally, uh, he's going to pick what's in the box, what's in the bleeping box.
1: What's, what's in the box, Bruce? Very good nine. One. Wha-
0: nine. I. Uh, Undina. <laughs> and that paradise. Oh, well, by the way, neighborhood. somewhere over the rainbow. Some somewhere over, oh, the yeah. rainbow, over the rainbow and one for my baby, one for the road. If you like both movie, both songs, they are featured yeah. in all its glory in the abominable desktop. Yeah, so, so, yeah so, so yeah, that that's what I was getting at with the
2: uh, black hole's edge of all we know. They played somewhere of the rainbow at the end of that. And I watched that after watching dr fives and i was like that is weird wow it's weird it, it's just weird when things come together like that
1: all right the yes.
0: this week's what's in the box is a big catfish that's that's an <laughs> Undina reference folks sorry about that irma okay. la deuce irma la Douce, irma la deuce by oh, that's billy Duke. wilder billy wilder so 1963
1: okay. brian o'connell Ooh, suggested it you, and this i have to after, i'm gonna have to ask my dad before i watch this because i believe this is a movie that my dad and mom missed getting to watch because i was going to be born so thank, uh, thank you for that oh. graphic thank you for that is it, graphic yeah. Bruce Perky. is that it's like a, he had to leave or or he had to, maybe he was watching a tv and he couldn't watch it because he, he had they had to run to the hospital or something something weird like that oh
0: that's very so this is wait is, is jack lemon in that one I know that... Um, yeah, yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, no, I'm no. sure he has to be. Hey, Bruce. Even with that whole birth story, I was kidding about. Thank you for that. That's an interesting birth se- sequence. How have you not seen that movie after that, hearing that story from your from your pops? Well, I might be wrong, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um,
1: but, um uh, yeah. I know it's just one of those ones. I just you know, there's just movies that just keep you just slip away. You don't forget about you. Forget about them. And in fact, I wasn't reminded about it until he put it up on the suggestion list. I was like, oh. Wait, Irma LaDuce. I want to see that. So,
0: okay, Irma so LaDuce. Irma LaDuce will, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, 100% sure that Eric Holmes is going to watch it because he watches everything so he can <laughs> be a team player and get on board with all of the movies that we cover. That is Bruce Perky's What's in the Box pick for next week. Thank you so much, Brian, Brian O'Connell. I believe Seven Samurai is his favorite film. FYI, just a little. That's a good little, one.
1: Yeah, very good. Yeah, a good one. Ha- you can't really argue with that one, right? for sure. <laughs>
0: no, that one sucks. <laughs> yeah. Sucks. Do I lose all? Do I lose whatever legitimacy I have by saying the Magnificent Seven is a better movie than Seven? I, I mean, samurai? they're
2: they're they're the same story, yeah. but it's just one... I, I I guess it all comes down to what style
0: you like better. Do you want well, a samurai you like, movie or, or do you want a western? Come on, yeah, yeah you true. love westerns. That makes sense. That's true. All right, guys. That that is it. Eric Holmes. Any final thoughts before we go? Not really. Um, Oh, really. I love you guys. I want to give you hugs. Thank you. Oh, by the way, Eric Holmes. By the we we gotta we gotta throw this in. Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky know that I have been addicted to uh, cryptocurrency the last couple of months. They have not staged as of yet an intervention. I I hear around the rumor mill that. They might be calling or emailing Anderson Cowan. They might do a full-blown Zoom intervention to get me finally off of Ooh, my my a crypto good idea. I like crypto- that. cryptocurrency. That said, <laughs> that said, Eric Holmes <laughs> is enable not him. going
2: <laughs> enable him. <laughs> that yes, <laughs> all right.
0: That said, Eric maybe Bruce Perky is a little bit more smarter, but Eric Holmes is trying to enable us because right now. Thank you, listeners, for actually supporting us here on Find Your Film and Cinematics. The way you can support us, we don't have a Patreon, but if you rent or purchase any of the movies that we recommend via our Amazon links, we are members of the Amazon associates program, those funds, those rentals and purchases that you make through our links, we will receive a small commission and that will go into the find your film in cinematics fund split four ways with me, Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky and Anderson Cowan. Bruce Perky has already received his latest share. I'm going to give Anderson Cowan his latest share. I, of course, am the first one to pocket it, and I, I make sure to, to keep a little bit off the side so I mean, none of these guys know what's going on behind the scenes because I'm corrupt. But then Eric Holmes, being the purest out of them all, I would I, I was going to give him his 25% of the share, and he said, no, Greg, you know what we got to do? Eric Holmes, tell our listeners what you decided to do with your 25% of the treasure of the Sierra Madre Amazon Associates program share. What did you decide to do? What is your dastardly Dr. Fibes Undina operation? Okay.
2: Well, Greg, I've decided to embrace the dark side of cryptocurrency and then enable you to take my share. <laughs> so what's yeah. going to
0: happen is Eric... Put it into Holmes a is, thing and figure it out. <laughs> he's he's going to put 25%. He's going to give it to me and I'm going to actually start the Find Your Film and Cinematics Crypto Fund at 25%. <laughs> so if you're in... Oh, yes, sir, Eric. Maybe. Holmes.
2: Yes, maybe, sir. Because uh, maybe if it does well... Like let, let's say it just blows up the, then With the twenty five per- or a podcast, per- podcasts, which one or both? Uh, but, what, which one? Both. <laughs> both. Let, let, let's say so. Let's say you put in the cryptocurrency thing, okay, yeah. and it, it's one of those things that blow up, mm-hmm. and likely you put it in, it might make a couple bucks or go down or you know do what right those things normally do. But let's say.
0: Let's just say You're talking to Dan Tana from Las Vegas here. I'm going to make it go up, buddy. Robert Let's York just reference.
2: say, yes, <laughs> theoretically, this is one of those things that blows up. And yes, sir, that that 25% actually makes a mint. Well, yes, maybe yes. that could be a lot of money to give to someone to fund a film. Maybe that could be something that uh, we could donate to a uh, wow. a Kickstarter campaign. I, I, we've done a couple of those in the past. Okay. And, okay. and that, 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 this could be, a, this because we know how much you like talking about cryptocurrency, and this could be that thing, like, probably not every week, because I, I don't think it would fluctuate that much, but maybe once a month, like, you check on it. Hey, Greg, how's it going? Oh, it tanks. Well, oh, that's the end of that. Or, hey, Greg, how's it <laughs> going? Oh, it went up a certain percent, and then it's something we could follow. And then if it gets to a certain amount, we'll be like, okay,
0: take it out, and then we'll fund a, we'll, a we'll, film we'll find, project or something. Okay. Yeah. All
2: could right. It could of be course. a
0: fun thing. Bruce, what do you think of that? I think that's a great idea. I think that's an excellent idea. You know, you I should I, do I, it. I personally like the selfish idea of just, uh, you know, so we, you know, we we could use all of the thousands of dollars that we're going to get to fund my 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 personal uh, Greg's getting fatter eclair fund. But Eric Holmes has a more societal <laughs> purview of actually we'll, we will we fund more. some film well, stuff. That's, well, that's well, a great well, idea. Well, that's a great when, idea. When you, know, a great when,
2: idea. When, when you take it out, take out a percent, like the eclair percentage, for
1: <laughs> or bury yeah. it. You could bury it in a vault under a Vegas casino and guard it by a zombie tiger. Okay, okay. okay. that was not that was, okay. That's a great idea. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Okay, so listeners, yeah, if
0: you want to support our, our habit, but in, in all in all, just all, all fair side aside, in truth, that that's a great idea. You know what? That I guess twenty-five percent of that Amazon associates, spearheaded by Eric Holmes. He's gonna figure out, he's gonna lead that charge. We're gonna actually keep that and we're gonna put that in crypto. And if like if and when it goes up, we will use that to fund some film projects. Sounds good. Sounds good to us. Right, and that's how we will find our film. Oh, oh, that's how. how we, and, and also, Eric Holmes is also our brand strategist. Very good job, <laughs> Eric Holmes, on that. We are. We're gonna lead out as usual, Bruce Perky. Your, your uh, Doctor Perks. Uh, any, any things you want to <laughs> yeah. say to us, Doctor Perks? Nine, well, well nine. Okay, man.
1: I gotta feed my neck. Hang on, <coughs> feed my neck.
0: Okay, folks, that is a Vincent Nine. Price. That is the Vincent Price reference. We went out on a very bloody note. Folks, we will see you next week. Thanks again for supporting us and listening to us on Find Your Film.